Welcome to the Islands Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. Hey, you know, I don't know about you. When we were singing that song, I just want you, I just want you, I'm sorry, I just want you. Does anybody feel like when you're saying those words, I just want you, do you think in your head like, that's not true. I'm lying right now because I, I want other things. I want like financial security. I want a really good retirement. I, I want like, I want you know, my cars to be nice. I want my kids to be healthy. Like the song says, I only want you. I just want you. I'm singing that like, I'm going like, this is, that's not true. I don't just want you. <laughs> like, I, I want to just want you. I want that to be true of me. Like, I want to be sitting in church and be like, yes, I just want you, Jesus. It's just like, you're the only reason. But like down deep, I'm like, I got a whole list of things I kind of want in addition to you. Like, I want you. You're first. <laughs> like, you're at the top, Jesus. Like, you're a big deal, like in my life. But when it comes to the things I want, you're not the only thing I want. And the whole premise of that song is that, is that, this is where our heart needs to like come to this point where it's like, no, I just only want Jesus. Only He's the only thing that will satisfy me. And that in finding my heart's home in Him and finding my satisfaction in Him, then everything else that I think I want, takes, I get the proper view of that stuff. Okay? So it's the new year, and it's all about deciding what you want for 2023. And I'm sure some of you've made a list already. Uh, I've got people on Instagram that I follow that are making vision boards. I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but they're making vision boards for 2023. It's, it's, I think it's something you do on Pinterest. I don't know. And so they're, they're making these vision boards for 2023. And, and, they're, and they're identifying, this is what they said, we're identifying the things we want in 2023. And I just wonder, like, when you think about what you want for 2023, this new year, um, I'm just wondering, like, has any of us thought, you know what I want? I want more of Jesus in my life. I want to be more aware of his presence. You can't get any more of Jesus because he lives inside of you. He's completely there. But each of us can become more aware of him. Each of us who are believers, I should say, can become more aware of his presence in our lives. There's not a person here that can't, that can't discover more of who Jesus is in their, life, in their life. Everybody here can do that. And I wonder... On our list, have we said, hey, what I want for 2023 is to really be tracking close with Jesus. I, I, I want to get to this point where maybe my list of things I want is getting shorter and shorter so that maybe by th the time I'm an old man or an old woman, I will be able to say, you know, it's taken me 60 years, but I finally got to a place where all I want is Jesus. Because if we're honest, right now, those of us who are in our 30s and 40s and 50s, like, you know, 60s, like we're, there's a lot of wants competing for Jesus. But if we start saying, hey, I just, I want to make my life about him. I want to I make my life about who he is and living for him and knowing him and being loyal to him. Then we can begin to move down that path so that when we sing that song, again, maybe as an old man and an old woman coming in with our walker to church, right? Maybe they're still singing that song. We'll be like, oh, this is finally true of me. This is finally true of me. I, um, I don't know about you, but for me, I think following Jesus 
Uh, my biggest problem with following Jesus is I'm distracted. I'm distracted. Uh, it, it, what I mean by that is I'm distracted by good things. I'm not distracted. You know, I tell this to people all the time is that the enemy creates uh, lies, that Satan creates lies that, that your heart is prone to believe. So Satan doesn't come to me with lies like, you know, you should go rob a bank and you should, you know, cheat and steal. Like he doesn't, like that's, those are not lies, right? Satan comes to me a lies with like, hey, you know, um, you could have more if you worked harder. If you did more, you could get more. You could have a more comfortable life. Your kids could have a more comfortable, like you could, you could provide better if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't have all these other things. Uh, like if you, if you just did more, that's the lie here. If you just did more, if you just did more. And I'm distracted when it comes to following Jesus. And I don't know what your distraction is, but my distraction is me and kind of like my desires. They're not Jesus a lot of times. They're something else. I'm distracted by not only my desires, I'm distracted by my flat out, you know, requirements. Who has to go to work to keep their house? Anybody? Yeah, me too. I'm in that same list, right? There's a few of you that, that don't, that's fine. And we're, we're super excited you're here. All right, offering boxes in the back. No, but um, that was an inappropriate joke. I'm sorry. I apologize. I want to apologize now for that. So you don't. When you see me that email later, just know I've already apologized to you. Um, but for most of us, like, I'm distracted by desires, wants, but I'm also distracted by just requirements. I'm distracted by the fact that, like, I have to go to work and I have to pay bills. I'm distracted by, you know, I've got to raise my children. You know, like I, these are things I have to do. I have to maintain some semblance of a relationship uh, with my wife. You know, I, I'm distracted uh, by, uh, by things and they're not always bad things. What we tend to think is like the devil's trying to get me distracted from Jesus. It's not like always like sin and terrible things. Most of the time what I'm distracted from Jesus from is good things. Like it's good stuff. It's stuff that like that everybody would say, oh, you're, you're doing good stuff. But I'm not really engaging with Jesus. Any, am I tra- is anybody tracking with me or is it just me? Okay, good. Because I mean, I can stop. But um, as long as we're on the same page, this is good. And I think that what happens is, is I end up, and maybe this is true for you too, I end up just really busy and really, in, I'm in motion a lot, but I don't really know where I'm going. But since I'm in motion and I got a lot of activity going, I feel really good about myself. You know, <laughs> like, because, hey, I'm moving, I'm doing something. So like you, you're proud of me. Jesus is proud of me. I'm in motion, but I'm not really headed to a clear destination. And so for me, like what I have to do every now and then is stop. And it's a lot of times on my back porch, or maybe it's, um, I took my son fly fishing this past October. We went up to the upstate South Carolina and fly fished in North Carolina on the French Broad River of the West Fork. It's an amazing time uh, being in the woods with him and camping and fly fishing, sitting on my back porch, maybe, you know, doing things that, where I have some time to kind of get away from all the hustle and the bustle. Those are the moments where I can stop and think, like, really, Stephen, why do you exist? Like, why are you even drawing breath? Like, why are you on the planet? Uh, like, there's going to come a time where my life will end, and this, this is the depressing part of the message, so if you came for feel-good stuff, you might want to plug your ears at this part. There's going to be a part where my life will end and your life's going to end, uh, and then a, a generation or two is going to go by, and nobody's going to even know where you're buried. So I've been doing this like genealogy stuff here lately on the internet. You guys ever done this? And there's this website called Find a Grave. And I found like the, my great, great, great grandparents' grave in, uh, uh, in Baxley, Georgia, Sam Saxon. 
was his name, Francis Beasley Saxon was his wife's name. The T in my name was added just a couple generations ago, so that's why. And so, and then I'm like, well, I don't know how far I can go back on these other lines. I, some of these people, like their grave has been lost, and they just died like in the 30s. We don't even know where they're buried. The 30s. Like you think, well, that was a long time ago. That wasn't even 100 years ago. So there's a good chance that within 100 years of my death, like nobody will even know where my body is laid. Like this is such a short amount of time that I've given to live and that my life's going to end. So I have to ask this question, like, well, why am I even here? Like, what, what is my purpose for living? What's my life? I asked a friend of mine who's a counselor, he's a sports psychologist, and he works with NFL players, professional basketball players. He works with um, college golfers. I just works with all athletes. I asked him once, I said, do, do your clients ever ask this question? Do they ever say, you know, what's the purpose of my life? Why do I exist? Why am I even on this planet? And he said, oh, no, they would never ask that question. I said, why not? He said, because it throws them into deep depression. It throws them into deep depression because all of a sudden what happens is they look at all the hard work they're doing and all the effort they're putting into being a professional football player, and they think, well, if like this is my purpose for life, this is terrible. I don't want to live to be a professional football player. And he said, they don't want to ask that question. And listen, if we're all honest in this room, um, if I said to you, hey, what's the meaning of your life? Why do you exist, Justin? Why do you exist? What's the meaning of your life? You would probably be like, I, I don't want to have this conversation. This is weird. Can we not have this conversation? Right, Sean? You'd be like, can we, can we just go get coffee instead? Like, is that okay? Like, I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about this. Most of us, if I start getting into those, and I've just seen this true with, as a pastor, when I start asking those deep, heavy questions of people, like, why do you exist? And what's the meaning of your life? There is this sense where people are just like, hey, could you, you not do that? We don't, I, don't want to talk, I don't want to talk about that ultimate kind of stuff. And the younger you are, like if you're really young, if you're in the room and you're like you know, 15, 16, 17, uh, even in your early 20s, watching online, listening to this podcast, you really don't want to think about this question. You're like, this is a total waste of time. But it's funny now. Anybody want to talk about it as you get older? This question starts to matter to you a little bit. This starts to matter to you. And I know some of you um, are thinking and uh, feeling right now that you, you figured out, you have figured out your purpose of life or your meaning of life. And you're like, Stephen, the meaning of my life, the reason I exist is to be as happy as I can be. I mean, this is kind of what our hearts have been trained to believe and see, uh, to get as much money as I can get, to acquire as much happiness as I can acquire, to, to pull in as much comfort into my life as I can pull into my life. This is the meaning of my, I figured out the meaning of my life, to have as good of a 75-year or 80-year run of comfort and ease as I can possibly have. But the thing is, now I'm not in my 60s and 70s yet, but, but I've known a lot of people are who are. The thing is, as you get closer to that day when they put you in a box and you're over, the, the more you begin to question if this was all the reason that I was existing, was to put up wealth in an account that other people are going to waste after I'm gone. Like this was it. This was it. Like this, like I had a lot of good parties. I saw a lot of cool things in the world. I went on some great trips. That, that was the sum total of my life. It, it just, 
It works great when you're in your 20s and your 30s and even your 40s, but it, it, it doesn't work so great as you get older. And let's be, let me just speak to you if you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, and if, you're, if your target is, I want to get as much money as I can, I want to be as happy as I can, I want, to, I want to acquire as much as I can, comfort, and I want to know I'm going to be okay. Let me just tell you, that's a fool's errand. If you chase it, you're going to be miserable, and you're going to end up in a lot of um, terrible relationships. You're going to have a lot of broken relationships. You're going to have a lot of um, you know, missed opportunities for genuine connection with people. And let me tell you why that is. If you see uh, money, wealth, um, you know, comfort as you know, the, the target of life, which there's nothing wrong with money, wealth, and comfort. Like, there's nothing evil about those things. Like, I think everybody should earn as much money as they possibly can. It's when that becomes the reason why you exist, the reason of your identity, your value, right? If you kind of target that, if you're, in your, you know, you're younger and you target that, it's like, this is how, why I want to live. What, is, what, is, what ends up happening to you, and those of you who've lived a long time, you know this, that target begins to move. <laughs> that sucker moves. Like you think, if I can get two million saved, I'm going to be safe and secure and everything's going to be okay. Well, you get two million, then what happens? Now you've got to have four. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't know it was going to move. It, and it, it, it's so crazy. It always moves. And it doesn't move because two million is bad or four million is bad or two hundred thousand is bad. It moves because you've ascribed a value to it, whatever that is, comfort, wealth, stuff. You've ascribed a value to it that it cannot bear. In other words, what you said is, I will be worthy and worthwhile and important. I will be valuable. I will be someone that matters when I get to this point. When I get here, I know I'm gonna be okay. That target cannot bear the weight of what you're putting on it. It just can't. So it always moves. It always moves. Again, I want to say this very clearly. If you're young, you're old, it doesn't matter. Things like comfort, wealth, uh, things like uh, having you know, uh, possessions, those things are not bad things. They're actually good things. They're really, really good things. I mean, uh, let's be honest you know, they, they, they help other people. If, if I have more wealth, then not only it helps me, but it also helps other people. Wealth is not the problem. Their wealth is a good thing. Resources are a good thing. Here's the problem. It's when we take the good thing that is wealth and resources and we turn it into an ultimate thing. It's when we turn something like, you know, resources into an ultimate thing, that's when we get bitten by it. That's, that's when it hurts us. And so um, I think the question that I wanted to start our year out with, and we're going to look at a guy named uh, Joseph to do this, the mother of Jesus. I wanted us to kind of have this conversation about um, what's the meaning of your life? Why are you doing all this? Like, why does, why does it matter? Is your life literally just meant to work 50 years, retire? And, like, is that, is that all there is? And we're at church here on the first day of the year. So it's a great time to ask the question. And we're going to look at this guy named Joseph. Uh, Joseph was Jesus' stepdad, to be correct or accurate. Um, can we just imagine him for a second? Joseph is a, he's kind of a rugged guy. I always think he's rugged. Don't you think he's probably a rugged guy? He's a carpenter. Like, I, I imagine he's rugged. He's kind of tough, you know? Plus, he lived in the first century. I don't think anybody's not rugged then on some level, you know what I mean? And so, like, he's a rugged dude. He's, um, he's in his 20s when we kind of meet him. Probably he may be in his 30s. Uh, we don't really know. Mary's probably a teenager. He's probably in his 20s, mid to late 20s. 
and he, he's got a skill, man. He's like a talented dude. Like he, he builds, we think, most scholars think he builds furniture. We think, car, you know, we hear carpenter, but he was probably more like a craftsman. He probably built furniture. He probably didn't build like houses. He was a craftsman. It's a skill, he, had a, he had a unique skill set. Whether it was carpentry or not, who knows. But it was definitely a, a skill set. Hardworking guy, rugged, meets the love of his life. Like, like, they're betrothed, and this is awesome. And the thing about their culture is, whenever you met someone, this is a little weird, this is not going to make sense for us in our modern culture, but uh, when you met someone that you really liked, and you were a guy and she was a girl, you had to be betrothed or engaged for one year. And the reason you had to be engaged for one year is, again, this is not politically very you know, accessible to us, was because uh, you were ensuring that the uh, bride-to-be had not uh, been with another man. All right? And so if in that year she doesn't turn up pregnant, then you, she has not been with another man. And so Joseph is betrothed to Mary. He's going to marry her. And um, he's doing his job. He's saving his money. He's taking care of his responsibilities. He's, 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 he can't wait to be married. He can't wait to have, start his life. And then all of a sudden, um, she gets word to him. She sends him word. Hey, Joseph, um, weird news. Super weird. You're never going to believe it. But I'm pregnant. Now, we, we get the luxury of knowing the end of the story. Like, we, we know how, like, we know. But Joseph in the moment, can we just imagine him for a second? Joseph in the moment... His entire life just got turned upside down. His whole plan for life, what he wanted, he wanted the career, he wanted the wife, he wanted the family, the white picket fence, he wanted everything to be right. This whole dream for the future, all of a sudden, it just got flipped. The table just flipped in his life. Everything just crumbled around him. He gets news that his engaged you know, wife that he, you know, he's not married to yet, but he's going to marry, he just got news that she's with child, and he can only assume that it's what? Another man's child. Because I don't know about you, he probably didn't say, well, it's Shirley's got to be gods. I mean, it's got, it's got to be gods. Now, I'm sure that's not where his brain went. I'm sure he was kind of like, Mary, why would you do this to us? We had, we, we were on our way. Why would you do this to us? And so in this moment, Joseph was faced with a question that I think we all tend to avoid. You know, what's the meaning of my life? What's my significance? Why am I even alive? Why does all this matter? And, and, and for Joseph, if you ever, guys, have you ever had your plans set and your dream for the future set and then all of a sudden it all just fell apart? It all just crumbled in front of you? This is where Joseph is. And he's, a, he's, he's faced with a hard question. And deep, down deep it's, who do I trust? Who do I trust? Listen to this. This is from Matthew 1, 18 through 24. So Matthew's a gospel writer. He's telling us what's happening. He says, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Now, this is important. His faithfulness to the law required him to put her out, to not marry her. You see this? He has a good, holy, religious reason to not fulfill his commitment to Mary. He says, 
because he was faithful to the law and yet, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. We're getting a peek into Joseph's heart here from Matthew. He knows the right thing to do. The law says, I can't be married to you, Mary. Our, our, this won't happen. But grace says, he, he's, he's got grace. Grace says, I don't want to embarrass you publicly. I don't want to shame you in front of all of your family and, and your parents and grandparents. I don't, want to, I don't want to publicly put this in the street. Do you, do you see the tension? You see the tension that he's got? He's in this tense moment. So he makes up his mind. Well, I'm just going to make this quiet. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, so he's considering his options. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, go back up to um, verse 20 real quick. Notice that the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. What, what fundamentally Joseph is faced with wrestling with is, do I trust God in this moment? Do I trust God in this moment? And, and, and if I'm honest with you, when I'm trying to trust God with my life and with a situation or the challenge, I'm like, I really got to trust God with this. What's on the other side of the scale over here is not mistrust, but fear. I'm afraid of something. I'm afraid of something not happening. I'm afraid of something not coming out right. I'm afraid of my life and not being good. I'm afraid of something over here bad. And over here is trusting God. And what's keeping me from really putting the, all the weight of my life on the scale of trusting God is not mistrust, it's fear. And ultimately, what drives my fear, right, what drives my fear is the unknown. I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what's about to come. And so I'm, I'm caught up in all this fear. This is where Joseph is. He's caught up in all this fear. He doesn't know what to do. He's afraid. And the angel says, hey, I don't want you to be afraid. The first step in this process is you have to set fear out of the door and you have to trust God completely, even though you don't understand all this. And so before he explains, now this is so interesting to me, before he explains who, uh, that, that Mary's uh, with pregnant with the Holy Spirit, before he explains how Jesus is going to save us from our sins, right? How like, Jesus is going to save his people from his sins. Before he does all that, he says, stop being afraid. Don't be afraid. And the only antithesis to fear, friend, please hear me. The only antithesis to fear is a relationship with God, your heavenly father through Jesus Christ. That's the only antithesis to fear. Now, verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so he considers, he makes a choice, and the choice he's faced with, guys, is the same choice you and I are faced with. Do I give God my life for a bigger purpose than me? Can I ask that question again? Do I give to God my life for a bigger purpose than me? Because if I keep hold of my life, we talk about this all the time around here, if I keep hold of my life, if I stay in charge, if I'm the boss of me, 
If my name's at the top of the credits at the end of my movie in my life, then the, the, if I keep control, then the purpose of my life is me and what I want. Okay, that's the purpose of my life. I want whatever I want, that's the purpose. That's why I get up in the morning. But what Joseph is faced with and what every one of you are faced with and everybody hearing this message online or listening to this podcast, with the question you're faced with is, am I willing to give over my life to God for His purpose? I'm telling you, that's the single question. That's the only question you have to really answer in life. If you can get that question answered early on in your life, I mean, even if it's what I would argue is the wrong answer, if you can just make that decision early, like, you know what? I'm going to decide right now as a 13-year-old kid, a 15-year-old girl, 14-year-old boy, a 20-year-old guy, I'm going to make the decision right now. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to give my life over to God for a purpose greater than mine, greater than me. Make that decision, even if it's the other way. You know what? Forget God. I'm going to live for me. Now, I think that's the wrong decision, but at least you'll know where you're going, right? At least you'll know where you're going. At least you won't be hung up with indecision. You'll have a guide stone either way. And so Joseph was faced with this decision. Am I going to give my life over to God for a purpose bigger than me? Is the meaning of my life bigger than me? Is the meaning of my life bigger than you? Is the meaning of your life bigger than you? What if he had said, no, I don't want to be some stepdad. I don't want to marry some woman that's cheated on me. I'm not going to be the ridicule of my friends and people in the future, which by the way, there's a hint of that in the gospels that later, whenever Jesus is kind of coming out as like a big deal, um, some of the people in Nazareth say, hey, isn't, isn't he the carpenter's son? And it's a little tongue in cheek, like, <laughs> you know, they say he's the carpenter's boy, but who knows? He did get ridiculed. And so he could have said, hey, I, I, I'm not going to live this life of ridicule. I'm not going to live this life of, of being questioned by my neighbors, being questioned by my, I'm not going to be embarrassed publicly. No, I want to be happy in my life. I want what I want. He could have done that. And had he done that, he would have missed out on why he was even born in the first place. It was the birth of Jesus that gave Joseph his life's meaning and significance. And without his connection to Jesus, you and I would not know Joseph's name. But today we're preaching a sermon on it because of his connection to Jesus. And that is true for every single one of us sitting here now. Our only significance is found in our connection to Jesus. You know, we don't, um, we don't like to think about this kind of stuff. Like, what's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose of my life? It depresses us. But I'm telling you, if you would take the time to ask this question, Am I willing to say that the meaning and significance of my life is being connected to Jesus as my Savior, living for Him? That's the reason I live, is Jesus. He alone is all I want. If I can get to that place, and this is hard for you to believe this, but I'm preaching to me too right now, because it's hard for me to believe this. If I could get to that place, then my life would be better, not like as the world says it's better, but it would be better as God says it's better. And I would be better at life. I would be better at living because I would have as my leader, my savior, my master, my king, my friend, I would have this, this, um, this relationship with Jesus 
that would lead me into the life that he desires for me and wants for me? And I know it's a hard question to ask, but if you, if you just consider questioning your meaning and like why you're even here, what I will say is you will realize is that your life and my life is a lot bigger than just the few decades we're given on this planet. I'm telling you, um, this is hard to believe if you're not a believer and you don't buy into Christianity, or if you're new, or even if you're kind of on the fringe with Christianity, you're kind of like, I sort of like Christianity. Um, this is hard to believe. But God is actually weaving a story, a tapestry that includes your life during your time that's also connected to a life from before you, and that's going to be connected to a life that's after you, and it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of the gospel. And so being faithful to God in your lifetime and calling Him your reason for living is not just about your lifetime. It's about what God is doing beyond your lifetime. It's about what He's making happen. And I think it's interesting to me that, that uh, Joseph was the first person to hear the gospel so clearly explained. He was sent to save us from our sins so that we could be reconnected to our Heavenly Father in relationship. But then he also says that you'll call him Jesus uh, and, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Like this is ultimately your purpose, to be connected to your Heavenly Father, to be in relationship with him for all eternity. And I hope that um, when you sit down, as you think through the beginning of 2023, I hope that you will ask yourself, if you really believe that you were made and built and created to be in relationship with your Heavenly Father forever, if you really believe that. Because that's, he knows everything about you. Every single detail, every hair on your head or every hair that used to be there. He knows every detail about your life. He's numbered your days. And he loves you individually just the way you are. And he made you to be in relationship with him forever. And that's your purpose. Our hearts are in pain and broken until they find their home in God our Heavenly Father. And Jesus Christ is the one who came to make that possible. To forgive us, me, you, of our sins and to put us in relationship with the Heavenly Father so that God is with us. But I can't lie to you can't let you leave thinking, okay, great. I have to also tell you that to enjoy the benefit of that relationship with your Heavenly Father in this life, to enjoy that relationship, to live in it and walk in it every day, you must and I must surrender my life to Jesus. I have to say, I'm not in charge of me anymore. I'm the master of me anymore. I can't. There's nothing about Jesus' invitation to follow him and his invitation to receive eternal life that says you can keep being the captain of your own ship. No. 
there is intrinsic into, in the call, built into the call of your life, which calls you into relationship with the Father. There is built into that call a submission and a surrender of your life to Jesus to say, you know what? I don't live for wealth. I don't live for comfort. I don't live for happiness. I don't live to get everything I want. I don't know. You know what I live for? I live for the glory and the fame of Jesus, my King. I've surrendered and submitted my life to him. And what we receive in return is purpose and meaning and eternal life, forgiveness of our sins. And if we're honest, most of us really like the believing in Jesus part. Singing the songs, I just want you. We're not so crazy about the surrendering our life part. The submitting to him no matter what the cost is part. And Joseph did just that. He believed the message of Jesus, the gospel, as the angel shared it. But he also submitted his life and chose a road that he would not have chosen himself because the Father asked him to. How many of us are there? May we in 2023 get closer to being like Joseph, to doing whatever the Father asks us to do. Let's pray together. Thank you, God. the story of Joseph. Thank you for his courage. Lord, if we're honest in this room, we we sing the song, I just want you, I just want you. We don't just want you. But Jesus, we want to get to the place. It might take us our entire lives to get to the place, but we want to get to a place where we just simply want you. Help me. Help me. I'm so distracted. I'm so distracted. We all Show us your beauty. Show us your face. Let us see you for who you are. Let the eyes of our heart be enamored by your glory and goodness. That submission and surrender to you becomes so easy. Help us. Give us this life in 2023 and beyond. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.